I will follow you all of my days. Amen? Is that an agreement we're making together? If you see me step out of line, will you tell me? We want to follow him faithfully and truly, don't we? Into whatever the future might hold. Well, this morning on this anniversary Sunday, I think I have discovered a hope in the scripture that that really applies to this day. It certainly has thrilled my heart to read it, to think about it, to develop the, the message that we have this morning. And, and what we're doing is finding, as you know, hopes in the Scripture, especially the hopes that we've already discovered in our previous series, those hope-generating revelations from the Word of God that just should fill us with the hope of God all the time. We've been asking, now, how do we put a hope like that to work? How can the hope that the scripture gives us make a difference in our lives? How do we deploy it? It's a powerful thing, but how do we deploy it into the situations of life? And so every week we've been following this pattern of my hope discovered, my hope defined, and then, of course, my hope deployed. Well, this morning, let me share the hope today that we're discovering. It comes right out of the scripture Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, and then a part of verse 11, and here's how it's expressed. My hope, our hope, discovered. John says this, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance, was like that of a very precious jewel. Heavenly Father, we want to delve into this scripture. You gave the Apostle John a vision of of what is yet to be. A vision of a day when, when this incredible New Jerusalem, this, this incredible structure, glorious in every way, would descend from heaven and and take its place on that brand new earth that you will one day create for you and and your people to enjoy fellowship forever. So, Father, let us catch the glory of this. Let us catch the excitement of it. May this passage have a way of rooting itself into our lives today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you see, today's hope is discovered in that awesome revelation given to the Apostle John. John saw in this vision the final expression of of what he called the Bride of Christ, prepared and ready to be presented to her Savior, her partner for life, her partner for all the rest of eternity. Fully mature, beautifully dressed, ready to take her place at his side and be pledged to him forever. Now, I should have put a picture of a beautiful bride up here. But be honest, the only one I could have possibly put up there would be the girl I married, and and she's too modest to do that. But we have a picture at home of her on our wedding day that, that in my mind I can say, I understand why the bride of Christ excites Jesus getting ready for him to be a partner forever. Fully mature, 
beautifully dressed, ready to take her place at his side and be pledged to him forever and to be recognized as his forever. She will shine with the very glory that God alone can give. And she surely took John's breath away. She was depicted in her final form as a glorious city. A city, the New Jerusalem. A city that contains the saints of all the ages, all the redeemed, all glorified, all of them together, spotless and pure, and put all together in that location, they just glow. Brilliant, John says. Now, that's my hope of the day discovered. There is coming a, uh, an event that John was able to see and to share. Here now is my hope defined. How do I put this hope in kind of an expectant form? Well, I'd say this, there's coming a day when the entire universe will be overwhelmed with the beauty and magnificence of Christ's bride, which is his glorious church. That's what I'm expecting. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when the entire universe will be overwhelmed with the beauty and magnificence of Christ's bride, his glorious church. There will be nothing else in all the created universe to match her. She will be the end result of all of God's mysterious purposing and breathtaking strategizing and all of his brilliantly tactical maneuvering through the centuries of man's history. She will be the culmination of all of God's almost infinitely patient dealings with mankind. The entire universe will finally see and understand. We'll be overwhelmed with awe and wonder. All born-again people will be part of it. And we'll be caught up in the glory of that moment. I just say, let your heart and mind open to receive it and, and rejoice in it. Allow that hope to become one of those anchor chains that keep you stable and secure in the midst of the uncertainties of life. Now, that's our hope discovered. That's our hope defined. How can we deploy this hope into the real-life circumstances that we're part of? In our daily lives, how can it be put to use in a way that would say, boy... That's really making a difference in my life. Well, how about this for a possible deployment? My hope deployed. You might find other ways to deploy it in your life this week. But here's a suggestion. A way that this hope of that, that glorious church that someday will be the center of the universe for all to be amazed by as it stands in partnership with Jesus himself. Here's one way to put it to work. I phrase it this way, since, since there is coming a day when the glory of Christ's church will overwhelm the universe, I will seek out and revel in its glory even now. Thank you, Dave. Let me tell you, though, that is a very seldomly chosen deployment. 
There are so many church bashers today. So many who focus upon the easily found fault of churches. How many of you have ever been in a church that was less than perfect? I assume that was all before you came to this one, right? You see, too many. It's so easy. Focus upon the easily found fault in churches. The truth of it is, as we think in terms of the bride of Christ, too often the present-day church resembles more of an awkward early teen girl than the perfectly put-together, mature, breathtakingly beautiful woman that she might well someday become. And we know that, that that is... Because we who make up the church today are mere adolescents in the process. Compared to what we shall be, we fall far short. But here's the thing. Compared to what we once were, we're already pretty awesome. Compared to what we once were, think back in your life to your worst moment. Think back in your life to when you were apart from Christ. Think back to your life to that place where you first knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you were a sinner and you needed a Savior. And think of what all made up your life then. And then think of what makes up your life right now. And honestly, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back, but say, wow, wow. Compared to what I once was, what I am right now, there, there's been quite a bit of progress. And, and some people who knew me way back then would say, uh, you know, you're pretty awesome. Hopefully it's somebody who knows us well. <laughs> you're pretty awesome what God has done in your life, see? Compared to what we once were, we are already pretty awesome. I have devoted my life, along with Linda, in the service, to the service of Christ Church. For the past 26 years, to the service of this one, Sun Life Community Church. And let me tell you, let me tell you, on this anniversary Sunday, there are things that cause me to revel in the glories that I see in the present-day church of Jesus Christ. These are things that can be found in every congregation of born-again people. These are things that I have definitely found in Sun Life Community Church. These are things that cause me to revel with delight. And they give credence, evidence to my hope. I'd like to share just three of them briefly with you this morning. Three glories that should cause us to revel, and that certainly caused me to. Here's the first one. We can revel in the glory of men and women saved from sin and death. Can we not? Can we not? Here's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because... 
the spirit of life set me free from sin and death. Isn't it great to be set free from sin, especially the penalty of sin, and from death, both from the fear of physical death and from the possibility of spiritual death. I can't tell you how glorious it is, how glorious it is to me to see even one To see even one over all these years that I know has been set free from sin and death because they heard and received the good news of forgiveness and cleansing that's proclaimed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. I remember quite a few years ago, I was teaching in one of our cell groups up at uh, Rancho Del Lago, and a number of older ladies were there, and a, a brand new person came in who kind of taken it on the chin a lot in life, and it seemed like it kind of made a lot of her own troubles in, in that situation. But she came into a cell group just as a visitor, and, and when he got done with us talking about the Lord Jesus, talking about our faith in him, talking about our confidence in him and and I'm sure I was coming off with a pretty a pretty joyful positive spirit and that whole group was just a delight to me she took me aside at the end of the day and she says well you know that little Sunday school faith of yours might work for you but out in the real world see where you're going nose to nose with spiritual things you know that simple little Sunday school faith of yours you know it's going to get blown right apart Well, that was a few years ago, and I'm happy to say to you, my simple little Sunday school faith is the faith. It is the faith. It's the trusting in God. It's not figuring out all the special things we have to do. It's trusting in him and giving yourself to him and enjoying his goodness and feeling his love and pleasure and just going through life accompanied by his spirit. There is great, great joy and I revel, if, if we can just count them one by one by one by one, whenever they come, someone who's given their life to Jesus Christ, and somehow you've been a part of bringing that simple faith to them. I tell you, how much more joy is there to look at a whole room of you? A whole room of you that I'm pretty positive have been set free from sin and death. Every one of you, trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is a kind of glow that comes from you that, that is precedent to the glow of the, the new Jerusalem itself. And we're all going to be part of that. But there's joy in that, joy in that. I'll tell you how glorious it is on this day, even helped by that uh, video, to look back over 26 years of this church's ministry and, and see hundreds who've come to Christ, who've been encouraged in their faith, who have been set free from sin and death. Oh, we can revel in that. We can just be caught up in in the glory and the joy of that. Oh, how glorious to see joy on your faces 
and sense peace in your heart and to hear confidence in your voice as you testify of your faith in Jesus' great sacrifice on Calvary. Thanks for singing that old song, Joe. Calvary, Calvary, what Jesus did there. For us to be confident that what he did there matters and is the only thing that really does matter. Joyful to hear you talk about your faith in Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ is a glorious company of those who have been saved from sin and death. A company of those who, by the faithful work of God, have been placed on the path that ultimately leads to that moment that John himself gloried in. The descent of the glorious bride of Christ down to the new earth that God the Father will one day bring forth. And so I say to you, as I do to myself, see and glory or revel in the glory of that. Here's the second thing. Revel in the glory of men and women sustained through life. We heard Peggy's testimony. That could be multiplied a thousand times over in a thousand different ways of the way God has sustained us, especially through the things that came unexpectedly. Not the things we planned out was saying, oh, God, help me here. I'm taking a step. I'm consciously doing it. I believe it's your leading. Help me out here. Give me grace here. Those things God gives grace for. But there's a very special kind of grace for the things that come unexpectedly. They could really just blow us away. The kind of things that, that bring us sometimes almost on a trot into the garden of prayer. Say, oh God, if you can't help me in this, I don't know what I'm going to do. If you don't take up my part in this, if you don't come, as it were, to my rescue, if your grace isn't sufficient for me in this time, I just don't know what will become of me. And so we come. We come believing that God does sustain us and his grace is more than sufficient for us. And we find that to be true. Every time. That's what Paul says there. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul testifying that's what God told him. This too is a glorious thing. If we take time to reflect upon it and recognize it. It's especially glorious when we experience it personally. So we live out our lives. We live out our lives in this old, sin-filled, God-cursed earth. And if anything can go wrong, what? It will. It will. We know that. And we shouldn't be surprised by it. God didn't change the rules of his curse upon this earth the day you and I got saved. We're still living on an earth in an environment that God himself has cursed and that we know biblically is going to be one day rolled up and done away with. So does it surprise us that there are things going on physically in this world that might even cause some people to prophesy that this world doesn't have much time left? Well, why would we be surprised by that? The Bible said that 2,000 years ago. This earth has a shelf life, and it's not getting better and better and better. 
And when we try to do business in this world because we need to, we should not be surprised when it's true for us as well as for unbelievers that, man, if anything could go wrong, it will. I don't have time to tell you all the details of of just last night. Linda and I came down here to the church just to try out a, a new little piece of equipment and discovered that nothing was working. Nothing was working. Projector wouldn't work. The things that Linda wanted to put up here, the, we were beginning to think, oh man, how do you go through an anniversary Sunday and, and we have nothing except us standing here. It'd be like the old days in church, Joe, where you just, of course, just stood there and said, now imagine this. If anything can go wrong, it will. And it doesn't surprise you, but today everything worked, didn't it? But Linda was nudged with the thought last night to say, why don't we go over to the church and just check out this one thing and discovered that (laughs) we were here two hours getting things working. That's the world we live in. Was God's grace sufficient for us? I came home with no scratches on me. Linda and I were still talking. We didn't blame each other. We tried to find something. The truth of it is there's just a problem to solve. They say, Lord, I don't know what in the world went on here, but step by step by step, idea by idea, little thing by little thing, it's a big coordinated system in here. All of a sudden, it all came together and we have worship today just the way we always do. But our world is like that. If anything can go wrong, it will. And both the unbeliever and the believer experience the disappointments and the dangers of life in such a world. Here, though, is where the glory arises in the church of Jesus Christ. Christ's bride in preparation looks for sustaining grace at those times and finds it. And finds it every time. And when we observe God's grace added to the situation, providing strength and comfort to the one going through the situation, we recognize the glory. And we can even revel in it. I'll tell you, this has been my privilege to do again and again over the years. God's more than sufficient grace is truly a glorious thing to observe as it's working out in your lives and, and uh, the lives of those that we know. Now, third thing. Bring it to a close here. Thirdly, on this anniversary Sunday... As we seek for ways to deploy the hope regarding the glory of the completed church of Jesus Christ, I say this, three, revel. Revel in the glory of men and women who are sanctified by the Spirit. God never says in the Bible, I'm going to get you saved and ask you to hold on. I'm going to get you saved and just wait for heaven. 
I'm going to get you saved and, and you'll probably still, you know, be the, uh, you'll have all the same mistakes. You'll make all the same mistakes. You have all the same temptation. You have all the same mess ups, but at least you're saved. Like the bumper sticker says, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Sometimes we imagine that's God's plan. He forgives us, but he doesn't change us. And yet the plan is that he forgives us, and then he sends his Holy Spirit to us to change us. And when you begin to see, that's part of what I said earlier, that when I compare where I am now to where I once was, there's a, there's a glory in that. The fancy term is, the Bible calls it sanctification, becoming more saintly, more holy. And that's what Paul says, the Holy Spirit's been given and should be the experience and is the experience of us all. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we, Paul includes himself in that, and we are being transformed. Say to yourself, I'm being transformed. Now, that's different than saying, I want to be. I want to be transformed. I was transformed a little bit in the past. Say, I am being transformed. This very moment, right now, where you're sitting, as you're listening to these words, the Holy Spirit is with you if you're a born-again person, and he is transforming you. You are being changed little by little into the very likeness of Jesus, into Christ-likeness. And Paul says, and as that happens, we're being changed with ever-increasing glory. So to Jesus Christ, our Savior, as he looks at us, we're becoming more and more glory-filled all the time. Until someday when we become part of the immense body of believers that make up this glorious structure, the new Jerusalem, we will add to the glory of the place. That's God's plan, and God's Spirit is working in every one of us that way. Being transformed into the likeness of Christ is the very way that the awkward adolescent becomes Christ's beautiful bride. We need to be walking with the Spirit every day. We need to have a means whereby we stay in touch with the Spirit of God, where we learn to hear His voice. You know that I've recommended to you over the last few years, and Peggy has talked about it often, just our little nudges and hugs books that try to, to get us to hear what the voice of the Spirit might sound like and what the things are that are upon the heart of the Spirit of God, saying, this is how I would change you. This is how I would change you. As I'm reveling in seeing that happen in people's lives, I'd share with you, I got an I got a unsolicited note in the mail just two days ago. came from somebody that I don't really know. But it started out, Dear Mark. I looked down at the name at the bottom and it was like, hmm, Dear Mark. I just want to thank you for your little book called uh, Nudges or Walking with Numa. That's the name for all four months put together. She says, a friend of mine gave me a copy, four months worth, a year ago, summer 
2019, July, so a full year ago. She said, I have read through that three times. Well, that's four months, four months, four months, 12 months. She's finished up her year, and she said, I get new insights every single time, and, and it's like God is just changing my life. My friend gave me this book, and she said, just a week ago, I asked my friend for four more copies so that I could send them to family members of mine, hoping that it might have an impact upon them like it has upon me. I can revel in that. We can revel in that. We together have tried to to help people see the Holy Spirit's a real presence in our life, a person, God himself, who walks with us and talks with us and guides us and leads us, and Paul says, is changing us. It's his job to change us. It's our job to just go along with it. We don't have to try to become better Christians. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We just need to give permission to the Spirit of God every day to lead us and guide us and do the changing that he knows needs to be done. And so it's a marvelous thing to see people keeping in step with the Spirit and seeing that transformation happening. It's glorious beyond words. We can revel in it. Final thought. Don't wait till heaven to get impressed with Christ's church. There are a lot of people who claim to be Christians and they might be born again and they're simply victims of the enemy who has filled their mind with just things that have de, you know, derailed them. Say, well, I believe in the real church. The real church will get together in heaven someday. I'm looking forward to being in the real church as a real believer. But the church on this earth is, you know, it kind of bugs me. I'm irritated with it. Somebody once I went and they didn't say hello or, or the preacher kind of, I didn't like his attitude. Whatever it might be, I don't go. But when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven... Don't be like that. Don't wait till heaven to get impressed with Christ's church. Look at Christ's church. Look at it through his eyes right now. And let him show you that there are people here who have been set free from sin and death and they are glorious in God's eyes. There are people here who are being sustained through the the unexpected things, the hardships of life by the very grace of God, and, and they are glorious in God's eyes. There are people here who are being little by little sanctified, made like Jesus himself, and, and beginning to blossom as human beings who, who are filled with love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness, all these things. And they are glorious. Revel in the fact that you are part of Christ's church, Christ's bride, and we're in process, but let's rejoice in it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for helping us see there's coming a day. This church thing is not just for this world. 
It's not just to help us get through these tough times. It's not just for preaching the gospel in this age. The church of Jesus Christ is going to be an eternal, an eternal body fellowshipping with Christ and declaring the greatness of God for all eternity throughout all the universe and will take up its glorious uh, home on the new earth. Father, we're part of that. We're looking forward to that. And we cannot be part of the church of Jesus Christ without having a little bit of that just sprinkle out on us today. Father, I see glory in these people. I see glory in your hand upon us. I pray that the community around us would be able to see it as well. And that we might be people that increasingly show forth the glory of God and have an impact upon those who are, are just so hopeless, who wander, who have no purpose, no meaning, and yet so many of them filled with such anger. Father, may the church of Jesus Christ more and more become the answer in a broken society. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.